Have you ever wondered what a comedy sword fighter can do for you? Well, my friend, you are about to find out. I recently had the pleasure of chatting with Mr. John Davis. After a serious back injury left him paralyzed at 22 years old, John developed his 5F system of achievement. The system hacks the fight or flight response in our brains, shortening learning curves and increasing successful outcomes. Using the system, John regained his mobility and went on to perform over 4,000 live comedy sword fighting shows in 16 countries around the world. On six USO tours, John took his show to the front lines of both Iraq and Afghanistan from 2001 to 2006. John now is a highly sought after keynote speaker known as the Corporate Action Hero. He delivers empowering programs to organizations globally. His programs are unique, out of the box, and use bullwhips and nunchucks to deliver his message. Chatting with John felt like hanging out in my cul-de-sac with a longtime neighbor. Before our interview, I let John know that it was okay to speak woo-woo, and he said, oh great, you're going to love this. We had a blissful conversation and one that promises to fan the embers of your life's desires into a burning blaze of passion to make shit happen. Here's John, everyone. John Davis, wow, you boast quite the bio. I was reading up on you before our interview, and your work includes stuntman, fight director, comedian, professor, artistic director, and executive. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to get into uh, uh, how we can all uh, live a better life and get and move ahead like action heroes. I'm so excited. Yesterday, I do a little research before I interview people because I like to Uh-oh. tap into, <laughs> yeah, I found all your dirty laundry. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I like to tap into um, the essence of the person that I'm going to. And I just want to tell my listeners if John lived in my cul-de-sac, we would be having barbecues and riding our quads <laughs> and having a great time. I can tell you right now, he feels like a bro to me. So <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. And I just want to jump right in because I have about 8,000 questions for you, but you know, we'll get to all those. Uh, first question is, I would love for you, because I heard a little bit about your, your backstory and truth be known, I fast forwarded through it because I wanted to hear, hear it for the first time while I was Mm -hmm. on with you. So I do know part of it, but I would like you to share with all of us just briefly your backstory that led you into this work you do today as an author, a motivational speaker, and all this just amazingness. Okay. Well, my backstory is actually exactly that, a backstory. (laughs) When I, when I was, uh, when I was a young man, a young a young boy, I was always the kid who had a stick in his hand, pretending it was a sword, running through the woods, out playing there, having a great time. And it kind of manifested into my wanting to become a sword fighting stuntman for Hollywood and for stage. And so as I got older, I got really involved in that. And then I started going to Renaissance festivals and I met two of the top fight directors in the country who found talent in me. And I'm a firm believer that when you put focus somewhere, the universe will absolutely give you the pathway to get there. And these two saw talent in me and offered me their training for free because they thought they wanted to be a part of my growth. And so here I am, I'm learning from the two of the top fight directors in the country, and I'm going for my black belt in Taekwondo, and I'm, I'm looking all buff and strong, and I've got long Fabio hair, unlike what I have right now. 
the co I now have the Telly Savalas hair as opposed to the you know, Fabio hair. And uh, at 22 years old, I was real buff and strong. And a buddy of mine called me up and said, hey, you want to come over to my house and help me unload a van? And I thought that was a loaded question. But I uh, ended up going over to his house. And um, he was a professional potter. And his van was full of 80-pound boxes of clay. And I climbed up into that van. And I picked up that first box of clay. For me, I was thinking of it as just another workout because I was really buff and strong. and really Right. Like, I was like, ah, 80 pound boxes, a whole van. This is going to be great. I picked up the first box. I twisted to set it outside of the box and my spine broke in two and I oh, collapsed and was paralyzed. Oh uh, my God. They took me to the hospital. The doctor says, uh, Mr. Davis, you have a condition known as spina bifida occulta to which I promptly said, Gesundheit. Um, <laughs> of course <laughs> you did. No that <laughs> right? well, you know, what's that mean? Right. Um, and he basically explained to me three of my vertebrae never formed properly at birth. And with the extra 80 pounds and the twisting action, I broke my spine in half. Wow. And he said, you'll probably never walk again. And you, you definitely will never have a physical career because your back just can't do that. So he was telling me that I, all of my dreams were gone at 22 years old, all of my goals, my dreams. And then a, a friend of mine, came and gave me a gift. And if you look back at it, it kind of looks like a cruel joke, but it was the best thing that could have happened to me. He gave me a book while I was lying in that hospital bed by Bruce Lee called the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. And so he just gave the martial artist who was told he'd never do martial arts again, a martial arts book by the greatest martial artist that ever, ever lived. Wow. <laughs> and, and I started reading that book. Well, that book is a fascinating book because the Tao, the Tao of, of Jeet Kune Do is a, is a book about his philosophy of martial arts. So, you know, he, he thinks that his style of martial arts is ever growing. So it's, it's, there's not one set pattern. And one, two things that I found in that book was leveraging your present moment, staying very present mm -hmm. and having mental flexibility. Mm. And so here I was lying in a hospital bed. I, I later found out that when Bruce wrote that book, he was lying in a hospital bed in traction and had just been told he would never do martial arts again. Wow. And so we had the same sort of pattern going on here. So I had to start thinking about what, what was I thinking? The first thing I had to do is I had to realize that the, doc, the doctors were, were well-intentioned, but I don't have to take their belief. And so I didn't take their belief. I decided that, no, I am going to be a stuntman. I'm going to do those things. And so on day one, I started leveraging my present moment. Now, what's that mean? That means I, I didn't think about the past. I didn't think about the future. I stayed right where I was. And I started, started flexing my upper back muscles. And I started my upper back. And over the course of the next several minutes and hours and days, I, I slowly flexed the muscles down my back. And wow. about two weeks, two weeks in, I actually flexed my hip muscles. And the doctors were blown away. And then... A month, a month later, I was sitting up on the edge of the bed. Um, within a few months, I was walking around. At a year, I would say I was back to a normal body, not back to my rock hard masculine self. Um, but right. <laughs> at, a, at a year and six months, I gave myself a huge gift. I climbed up on top of a three story tower and I jumped off into a fall pad. And then I went on to do over 4,000 live comedy sword fighting stunt shows all over the world, including the front lines of Iraq and Afghanistan on six USO tours. Um, and that, that show, Hack and Slash is what that show was called. It went all over the world. And eventually what happened was I realized that I, was, I had learned this process that I call the five Fs. And that process 
helped me achieve everything in my life. And after that event, that catalyst of, of my back being broken, I went on to literally do, I've been to 30 countries around the world. I climbed Mount Sinai. I've been on top of Machu Picchu. I've been in the Blue Lagoons of Iceland. I, I mean, I have done everything I've ever wanted to do since then. One day I decided to be a college professor. The universe dropped the Dean of Theater of Oberlin right in front of me and he, he brought me into Oberlin to teach. So it was like all these things were in my, my purview of, of, of uh, ability to do. I was able to do anything at that point because I knew that I was the creator of my experience. Mm. And once I shifted into that creator of my experience and out of what other people wanted to create for me, I was able to create anything. That's okay. So from about word three, I got chills. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had them the whole time. So this is going to be a chilly episode. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> so um, a couple things is, first of all, how does a young man at 22 know, I mean, have that place inside of him that goes, yeah, I'm not doing this. Especially yeah. when we're at that age, so reliant on our elders and the experts. And we think, you know, we, we haven't really stepped into our own gig yet. Where did that come from? My friend? Well, I'll tell you, it, it, this is, I'm going to get a little woo woo on you here now. Get all of kinds of woo. Okay. Cause when I was a kid, I, I had a lot of imaginary friends and my family couldn't see them, but I could, and I would talk to them. And I mean, I literally could see them. And then, my brothers and sisters one time while talking to me, um, I was, I, I think they said I was like six or seven years old and I had a really high fever and they were all in the, all in the room because they were really worried and I was, I was really sick. And um, all of a sudden I started saying, I'm on the ceiling. I'm up here. I'm taller than all of you. And I basically, they described me having an out-of-body experience at six. Wow. And so I had all these, I had all these really kind of amazing experiences early on. On top of that, I was very unique and different from the rest of my family. And that, that did not jive well with my very grounded plumber father. And <laughs> of, all of, of all of his kids, I was the one he hated. Yeah. And, and he literally knocked me down on a regular basis. And Physically I, or emotionally? Yes. Both, yeah. Both, yeah. And I ended up becoming very... Um, stunted in my in my self-esteem and my my self-worth and my self-doubt and through my whole life i i i, I became a huge introvert mm -hmm. and it was only when i when i shifted into acting that i was able to change that and, the, and it was interesting because i had to set myself aside to become a character yeah and the character and the character could do anything Love and so, that. right so by the time i turned 22 i had already been a character many, many times. So I was very aware of the fact that, okay, if I'm lying in this hospital bed and my back is such, I am a stuntman and that is the character. Period. And, period. And, you know, and, you know, I don't believe in affirmations and people say, well, what do you mean you don't believe in affirmations? That's, that's the woo woo thing. That's the, that's the thing you're supposed to believe in. That's well, I don't believe in affirmations because I think, I think, I think very present moment. And I think the word affirmation means I'm shoring something up that's not solid. Mm, okay. And so I don't want to think that way. I believe in declarations. 
Mm-hmm. I declare my life. And when I look at my present moment, I spe- very specifically am, am very careful about what I say about my present moment. I had to take certain words out of my vocabulary when I was going through my back injury. And the words I took out of my vocabulary were wanting, needing, hoping, and trying because none of them are creative in the present moment. You know, so by take- I'm going to write those down. Wanting, <laughs> hoping, and trying. And trying, yeah. Yes. And if you, if you listen to the words of, of, of a famous uh, Taoist master named Yoda, he mm-hmm. said, mm, do or do not, there is no try, right? <laughs> right. I know. Do, do or do not, there is no try. So yep. I had... I had to look at what I was saying about my present moment. And you find out very quickly when you start looking at what you're saying about your present moment, you find out how, how quickly um, your mind will go to what other people have said about you or the beliefs they've given you. And so you have to start setting their beliefs because if you're living their beliefs, you're living their life and not your own. And so for me, I had to literally say, I, I'm not living that. And with the doctor, I had to say, I am not living the paralyzed guy. I'm not living the guy who can't do martial arts. I am living this other lifestyle. I am a stuntman. And I, and I went on and I did major league stunts. I mean, zip lines and rope swings and high falls and exploding towers and the whole thing. And um, did it for you know, over, over two decades. And, and to me, you know, it, it was just proof that we are the creator of our experience. And now I can, I can, I could drop this into spirituality really quickly because Buddha says, what you think you become, you create your world. Gandhi says, you must be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, Krishna said, you are the culmination of your thought. And Jesus said, whatever you ask in God's name is granted. But Moses said, God's name was I am. So that's a declaration of your present moment, right? Now, if I jump out of that just slightly, right? Whatever you put after I am, first of all, is what you're creating. Now, in Buddhism, they talk about the idea of life is suffering. That's the big famous Buddha quote, life is suffering. But the English language does not translate the ancient languages well. And the word for suffer, word for suffering is dukkha, dukkha. And when you look at the word dukkha in the English language, there are three translations. Well, in the ancient language, the three translations were one meaning together. Wow. Right. And it's really interesting. The first, the first translation is pain or suffering. So that's the one the, the Western world grabbed a hold of. Mm. You know, life is pain or suffering. The second translation is habitual response. Right. And the third translation is past belief and experience. So life is pain and suffering caused by hab- habitual response from past belief and experience. Yeah. So that to me is a, is a much more clear definition. And so I had to get rid of my past habitual responses from my subconscious belief. And the only way you change your subconscious mind is to change your present moment because all your subconscious, your subconscious mind has two jobs. One, to store present moment memories and experiences and give you a subconscious belief. And two, to help you achieve what you focus on. And so I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, negative people, right? Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Right, right, right. You ever notice that they always have something to be negative about? Mm -hmm. Well, here's why they're focused consciously on negative. And so their subconscious mind is showing them negative. 
which creates a negative moment, which sets a negative moment in their subconscious belief, which creates an exponential cycle of negativity. That's why they're doing it. The only way you change that past is to do what Jesus said and be born again, start something new. Start something new, yes. Start something new and start stacking successful present moments back there. You know, your past, like, as I said, it's just basically memories of present moments. And your future is just a place where you plan for your next present moment because you're never going to get there in the future. You're going to, it's going to come to you. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem that I see most people have is they, they look at their giant goal of what they want to achieve and they think they have to get to it. In fact, a lot of people invest in the concept that struggle equals growth. And I say, why are you focusing on struggle? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Focus on the growth. Focus on, but that you have to realize that the small present moment things you do here is bringing that outcome to you and surrounding your experience. And, you know, it's, you don't have to get the aid. It's coming to you, depending on these little tiny things you do, not the giant thing that you're going to magically try to appear. You know what I love that you said is a couple, th- well, lot, the whole thing, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I like to make like bullet points sometimes. Yeah, and I really yeah. like that you talked about declarations rather than affirmations, yeah. because I have found that same thing that if you affirm in the I am, which I agree with you, I am this, I, I did it before uh, coming on here because I've just started interviewing. I mean, I've interviewed a few people in the past, some friends, some expert on things, but this interview thing kind of fell in my lap. And um, I'm like, I am a talker. I am a listener. I am naturally an interviewer. I, you know, and I, I affirm this because it has not yet become my natural just oprah self up here you know what i'm saying right. so i was doing those things before coming here but i really love the declaration aspect of this because anytime truly you saying this is bringing to light i've made a declaration I, i'm going to be an amazing mother end of story i'm going to have an amazing relationship end of story i'm going to be fit end of story you know i'm going to do hair end of story i did hair for 30 years that's that, what that references yeah yeah and- me too Yeah. Yeah. You need a little something right there. Um, So, you know, that's, that was amazing to me because I really love that the whole, that thing. The other thing is, um, you know, what you were touching on this, that whatever we're looking for, we're going to find. So if we're looking for the shit in the world, we are going to find it. And if we are looking for the beauty, we are going to find that. And I found that, you know, I've been in both places. I've been in negative mindsets in my life before, but I've also been in positive. I do like that. I have kind of a natural positive default because I don't want to live in the ish, but again, it would be to our listeners right now is that guys, if you're feeling like this, you're feeling in the negative dumps, you can declare that you don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. Well, you think, think about this. Your, your world is a natural polarity. There's positive and there's negative, right? And you have the ability to choose. In fact, your choices of today are tomorrow's outcomes, right? So you can choose positive or negative. The reason people choose negative is because they're in some sort of fear. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, every, that, that the natural default of the universe is love. And mm-hmm. that we are, we are here to experience love fully. And the only way you can experience it fully is to know the baseline or to know the opposite. And so I, I kind of look at the, at the world like, like this. I was like, we live in something that is predominantly love, that is, that is love, 
and we were given a fog machine that shows that's manages our fear and we can crank that all the way up and not see the love or we can crank it all the way down and see as much positive love as we want so love and fear negative positive when i say love people often equate it with romantic love i mean positive energy mm -hmm. it's the same as love right positive and negative so when i when i look at people i i automatically go into the process of my five f's and the reason i go there is because of the fact that the first one of the five F's is fearlessness. Well, let's say, let's, let's preface this real quick before you get into those. So we were talking about this, that you have a five F system for achievement. And I loved the subtitle. It hacks the fight or flight response. That just sucked me in. I was like, this is so juicy. I can't wait to hear this. So, <laughs> so take it away, John. Let's hear about, and you said, this is what, um, helped you regain your mobility, right? And to live it, the life that you desired. It helped me regain my mobility. It helps me every day. I use this every day. I use this in leadership. I use this in sales. I lose, use this in personal development. I, I use this in everything. And the reason I use this in everything is because it is a primal reaction that we all have. Everyone is going through the same exact stuff. You know, every circumstance in our life is judged to be either a fight, a, a threat or not. Right. And you know, we have our choices. So the problem is that people get in what I call in fear. And I'm saying that twice because of the word in. When people declare themselves, and we're talking about de declarations again, when they declare themselves as in fear, that means they have no control over it. I'm in fear. Now, the first thing you have to do is realize if you're in a negative state that you are, you're in fear, that it is just fear. So the first thing you need, they need to do is label their fear. Now, what is fear? I ask audiences all over the world, what is fear? And the audiences always go silent. There's never any, and then somebody in the back of the room will, will pull out the old trope, false evidence appearing real, right? right? Oh, so now you also could be a voiceover person if you wanted to, love that little. <laughs> oh, Luke, I am your father. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, um, false evidence appearing real. So. The interesting thing about that is that I don't, I don't buy that answer because when you break down fear scientifically, fear is an emotional reaction to some future event that may or may not happen with you focused on a negative outcome. Now, let me break it down even further before you start taking notes, because here, here's, how, here's how it breaks down even smaller. Fear is simply negatively focused uncertainty. That's Say that all. again. Fear is negative focus uncertainty. Well, what I wrote down, my friend, was... The fact that you don't buy that, I love that you buck the system. Yeah, well, be happy. I'm like, well, yeah, because again, we think we need to buy into, we need to think for ourselves, but I don't want right. to go off on that. So you take it away. Okay. So, so, so if fear is negatively focused on certainty, first of all, you have to realize that you're focusing negatively because quite, quite honestly, you wouldn't be afraid if it was, if you thought you were about to have a lollipop. Right, right. Right, you, right. You have an entirely different. So it obviously is negatively focused. Number two, you also have to realize is that fear is not rooted in your present moment. So it's not here right now. Right. Now, you have, do you, ever, do you watch National Geographic shows on TV? Um, sometimes, yeah. Okay. Did you ever notice that most of the episodes have that one doomed gazelle? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, you mean <laughs> those ones? Oh, yeah. Those National Geographic. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> and so, and so that one doomed gazelle that's out there eating grass in the field, it's like, mm, 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 right. Yeah. 
and all of a sudden out, out of the blue the, the lion hits the field and you suddenly see the gazelle go <gasps> and gasp for air mm-hmm. right? if you're if you're a parent and you have children and you've ever seen your child almost get hurt i'll bet you've gone <gasps> oh please or, yes uh, right so that is the natural primal response based upon your fight or flight response now, most people, when they're in fear, don't think they can, can breathe. They go, oh, my God, I, I'm so, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Oh, my, you know, you get freaked out. It's not that they can't breathe. It's that their body is conserving air because that first gasp was there to fill the lungs so that you can run further and faster. That's the primal response. It's a survival mode. So you can't breathe because your body's holding on air so you can get away. Now, actors on, on film and on Broadway are trained that if they forget their lines, they're literally trained to stop, relax all their muscles and exhale. <sighs> it shuts off the primal survival response wow. and turns on their cognitive thinking brain and all their lines rush right back into their head. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I love that. It's crazy, right? It's amazing. So I, I ended up on the front lines of Iraq and Afghanistan. So now I'm talking to soldiers who are about to go into some of the most fearful things they've ever been through in their lives. And I said to them, how do you do this? How can you go into a situation like that? And the first thing they said was, first of all, we have to breathe. That's the first thing they said was they have to. (sighs) He says, but the second thing is, we have something to focus on. We have an objective. So the second of my five Fs is focus. Now, we've, we've talked a lot today about positive and negative. You know, what do you focus on? Are you focused on a negative outcome? Are you focused on a positive outcome? Are you, whatever you're focusing on, you know, um, that, that is what you're creating in your experience. So first set your fears aside by letting yourself exhale and get, let your mind turn back on and then get seriously focused on exactly what you want, no matter what anybody says. Yeah. You know? And, you know, we're trained in this world to believe everything the doctor tells us. And I can tell you that, Doctors are great and they're very well-meaning and sometimes they are correct, but you also have to realize that your life is your life, not their life. Mm-hmm. And you have to take control of your own experience in that time. Not, I'm not in any way, shaping or, shape or form saying, don't listen to your doctor. I'm right. saying it's, it's your choice, right? So we got fearlessly focused. And when you have the number five, the middle one is the one that holds up the two on either side. So it's the pillar of, and the strength of it all. And that's faith. And what is yeah. faith? what is faith? Now, people say uh, they find their faith in spirituality. That's great. You know, if you can find your faith anywhere, but faith, when you break it down, is really just confidence, belief, belief that you can, right? I had to believe that I could get out of that bed. I had to believe that I could be a stuntman. And I have a, I have a son, he's now 17 years old and he's teaching me all kinds of new lessons about hormones right now. But, um, <laughs> but back when he was six, he taught me my greatest lesson about faith. Yeah, we had we have a Nerf crossbow, and for anybody on this on this on this listening, a who Nerf, has Nerf crossbow. Nerf crossbow, yep. I've never yep. I have never seen that. I was raised with uh, four it, boys. I don't a Nerf is, crossbow. It, it, a Nerf crossbow. Wow. It is, and you know Nerf guns are everywhere. Everyone has Nerf guns, but, right? But Nerf crossbow, and the Nerf crossbow is the most accurate weapon that Nerf ever made. Wow. It is. It's amazing. I want so one. It's sick, when my son was six, <laughs> he, we had a game we used to play. He would, we would sit on, one of us would sit on the couch in the living room. We'd shoot across the living room floor, through the kitchen door, and, and hit the trash can on the other side of the room, right? 
And of course, my son would 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 shoot and he'd hit it and go ping every time he did it because it was that accurate. And you wow. know, at six years old, he'd start. Of course, being his father, my job was to let him win because he was six, right? So I'd get up and I'd shoot the wall and the floor and the ceiling and him and anything but the trash can, right? About the fourth or fifth time, my six-year-old says to me, Dad, I know why you miss. And he's laughing. I'm like, why? Why do you think I miss? He says, because you don't believe you're going to hit it. Wow. So you have to believe. You have to have that faith. Now, sometimes you have to bypass your faith. Did he just pull to... that out of the air? Or is that oh, like he oh. heard these words from you? Because you Oh, know. no, he pulled... He, he, when he was a kid, he pulled yeah. out amazing things. You want to hear any, the most amazing thing he ever said? Yeah. Oh, please. Yes. Oh, so what well, we used to drive him to school and we used to sing songs on the way to school. And his favorite song of all time was the, the old classic hymn, There Was an Old Lady Who Swallowed a Fly. <laughs> right. You know the song? Yes. Okay. So the song always ends with, you know, she swallowed the horse. She's dead, of course. But my son and I decided we're not going to stop at the horse. We're just going to keep choosing things that are bigger and add it to the song. So we're driving along. And, and this morning we went from a horse to a dump truck because that's what he chose. And, you know, he was once again, he was six, six or seven. And so we went to the horse to the dump truck, the dump truck to the earth, the earth to the, the sun and the sun to the galaxy. And I said, well, that's it, Kynan. There's nothing bigger than the galaxy. He goes, Dad, there's two things bigger than the galaxy. I go, what's, what's, what's bigger than the galaxy? I mean, that's, that's crazy. What are you talking about, son? He says, there's two things that are bigger, God and the universe. And I said, I said, is God bigger than the universe? He says, yeah, because he told me he's in everyone and everything, and we control the God part inside of us. Drop the mic. <laughs> okay, we, so your child's... <laughs> <laughs> earth with some some stuff already in place <laughs> which is the question i if you if i can pause real quick that yeah. i had written down earlier about um do you believe just i would like your opinion of do you believe that we come here with a path already kind of been set up and a calling of where we're gonna go somewhat or do you think we just completely create the whole time i uh, well i i i don't think well, I can, I'll break it down in a really interesting way, I guess. Um, I believe in past lives. I believe in all of that thing. I've had big experiences with, with reincarnation. I had past life regressions and have remembered lives and all of that stuff. And, um, and I wasn't a big believer when I went to that route because uh, being a very devout Catholic when I was younger, uh, I, you know, I started having psychics tell me about literally walking up to me when I was walking down the street and telling me about a very specific past life I had. And I had 19 of them tell me the same life until finally I said, okay, I want to have something scientific here. So mm -hmm. I had my regression and I remembered that life. I'm not going to share that life because I used to speak about that life and people stopped listening to what I was saying because they were more concerned with the past life than the actual message that was being brought forward. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. I became a, started to become a crutch for people. So I don't, I don't talk about it very gotcha. often. Gotcha. Um, but um I believe that we are the creator of our experience, but we often come here, that we come here to experience them. First of all, to experience our separation from source mm -hmm. and also to learn various lessons that we of our choosing, you know, we choose on the other side, we choose things. That's what I believe. And I'm not, I would not belittle anybody for what they believe because I don't think any of us really know. What I do know is scientifically, everything that you see is nothing but pure energy and 
when they when they look at it scientifically, it's an energy event. It's not even a solid. So when you hold your hand up and you look at your hand, your hand is an energy event, and the eyes that you're looking at at the, that hand with is an energy event, and all the air in between your eyes and the hand are an energy event. So you are literally in an image. You're in God's image, mm-hmm. right? Right. right. So, and God is love, right? So right, you, you, all, all, all you really are in this, in this world is your consciousness, your awareness. And noetic science, I don't know if you've heard of, have you ever heard of noetic science? Noetic? Noetic, N-O-E-T-I-C. No, no, I haven't. Edgar Mitchell was an Apollo astronaut. When he returned to Earth uh, the last time, he had a transcendental experience coming back to Earth. And he went went like off into science trying to figure out what it was he experienced and he started a new science called noetic science and what they're doing is they're they're taking spiritual experience and they're and they're trying to um prove it scientifically Mm -hmm. and they have been able to measure thought waves so literally they they can actually see the thought waves in the energy of that we are surrounded by Mm -hmm. they also notice that when they take the thought waves and they focus at a point the thought waves don't pass that point because they're literally able to focus their thought. Mm-hmm. They also know that something is happening there. They just don't know what it is yet. They haven't been able to decipher what it is, but something is happening there, which means something's being created there. So they're basically scientifically proving that our thoughts are creative. And so right. in, the co- in the concept of all this, now that's the scientist aspect of it, right? You know, but, you know, I, earlier on, I said, Jesus said, whatever you ask in God's name is granted. And Moses said, God's name is I am. But that, that quote, whatever you ask in God's name is granted, was followed by a better quote. And people very rarely say the other quote. But right after that line, it says, nothing will be impossible for you. And so, and I was told it was impossible to be a stuntman. And I became a stuntman. Mm-hmm. I worked with movie stars and I did all kinds of cool things, right? But it's all about it's all about you being the creator of your experience. I truly believe that we are when we cross over to the other side, we're still conscious, and we choose to come here and put our blindfolds on to learn cer- certain lessons in our lives. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It hundred percent. I'm with you. I'm following okay. you hundred percent, and I'm just so in engrossed in it. <laughs> i'm just sitting here shaking my head going "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." (laughs) so let's go let's go back to the fire because i want to i want to get to the next one because the next one is putting all of what i just said into action you got fearlessly focused with faith and the next one's the hardest one it's follow through it's actually doing something you know our present moment our i am moment is filled with three things thought word and deed and if you're not putting the deed in play, then you're not creating. You have to have all three to create your experience. And so you have to actually put, put that deed into play. Now, sometimes you don't, might not, your faith might not be that strong. And by, by jumping past the faith and taking the leap, as it were, and taking an action, it can actually help you build your faith even more. Right. So just, just jump forward and take the action. And keep moving. Realize that you're gonna have moments that aren't successful, you know. And don't beat yourself up for those. Everybody's fallible. Your job is to stack as many pres- positive present moments behind you as possible. That's all your job is. Mm-hmm. Some of them are not. Some of them are gonna suck, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But but the reality of it is is that 
the more you stack back there positively, you're changing your subconscious belief. You're changing the, what your subconscious mind is showing you. And now you're creating expen exponentially in a positive way, in a creative way. And so you have to start taking really positive present moment steps and realize it's not you, that giant thing that you want isn't going to magically appear in your moment. It's only going to come to you by these small present moment successes. Mm -hmm. And the last, the last one is the thing that I first learned in that Bruce Lee book. And it's flexibility. And we, I kind of alluded to it already. You know, something is always going to come up that seems contrary to what you're trying to achieve. Something always comes up, right? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, so when it comes up, your job is to stay focused on the goal that you want and also to realize that if you're truly focused positively on the goal and this thing came up, it's because your subconscious mind is showing it to you so that you can address it and get it out of the way. Amen. Right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's all it is. Bruce Lee, said, Bruce Lee used to say, be like water. You come to a, you know, you're going downhill, you, you run into a rock, you go around the rock, over the rock, or over time through the rock. But, you know, the river is going to the sea. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you want to make sure you're staying on, on course in the destination. Now, now that I've mentioned rivers, let me talk about this. Life is motion. And people get stuck in their fears and they stop moving. So they're not doing their follow through, right? Well, life, just like that water going downhill, that water, when it's moving and, and, and flowing, it's full of oxygen. It's full of life. It's full of all of this joyful expression of self. The second that water hits a puddle, and becomes stagnant, that water turns poisonous and bugs start to lay their right. eggs in it and it starts to degrade. So no matter what, you know, people oftentimes will get into what I call their velvet cage. They're very comfortable in their fears. They understand their, the, 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 by staying here, I can do this. They're very comfortable in their fears, but they don't realize they can open the door and fly at any time. Yeah, yeah. And it's opening the door and flying that says, oh my God, I was in a cage. Right, right. I you know. have to really look at it that way. Dave, it's like a it's like a padded cell. It's like I, I just don't I just want to stay in my comfort zone. Right. And yeah, but I don't there, I can't feel like there's a whole lot of inspiration and fun in that comfort zone. I mean, I want to live life to the fullest. I really right. do. Uh, well, part of my backstory is I've had a lot of deaths in my past. My first one being my brother when I was in sixth grade. And that changes you. I mean, yeah. sixth grade, you in a snap, your bro is gone. You know, it's like, okay, this, it changed the way I, I viewed world. And like you were saying back in the beginning that you stood out amongst people, I stood out amongst people because people, my um, students, classmates, just my age did not really view life the way I did from that point forward, right. you know, and, and it, it was a very strange thing, which is going to lead me into my next question. I think is a super important question is when someone like me that was feeling like I was standing out and I'm different, there must be something wrong with me. Why don't mm -hmm. they see things like me? That brings the self-doubt. And then there's this other side of you that's really impassioned and, and just wants to strive and grow and see things and do things. But, and you start to get your own wisdom and you share that with people and they're not ready to hear it. And then you start thinking then you're not good enough. So can you share with us some way to cultivate confidence, to 
start to put that self-doubt aside because we know as human beings, we are plagued with it. So how, yeah. how what can someone do? Self-confidence is self-trust. And trust is developed by results over time. And so the only way you can get results over time is to actually do what I've been saying is start with your present moment and start stacking positive present moments, right? And here's, here's the thing. Sometimes you're going to screw one up. And your job is to, to not go, ah, I'm so dumb and smack, their, smack yourself, right? That's why I went bald because <laughs> I was like smacking the hair off the top of my head, right? <laughs> and... But the thing, the thing is, is that this thing of beating yourself up in that moment is just wasting the next present moment. What I did to get out of that process was I started realizing that if I did something that wasn't in alignment with my goal, that's just silly. Mm. What an interesting concept, right? Straight up. So now the word silly makes me smile, makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, that's silly. I start laughing at things. Um, and when I started laughing at things, what, I, what did I just do? I stacked another positive present moment. Amen, right? yeah. And I just went back and did another one. Here's an interesting thing. Your, your outer perspective will show in your experience. I, uh, I one time was working with a lady who was agoraphobic. She could never leave her house. You know, she was like terrified to go out. When she did, she was terrified the whole time she was out. She used to drive a car and she'd be like terrified the whole time. And in the process of working with her, after, after two years of working with her, she took a solo trip to Africa, climbed a mountain, and hung out with the gorillas. Go, right? girlfriend. Uh, amazing, right? Yes. But one of the moments that, that is really impactful for me is because it, it, you know, there are moments in life where you get the chance to say something that cements your own faith and really kind of mm -hmm. demonstrates it. I was driving down the road, and she was in the passenger seat, and she says, why do cars merge easily with you on the highway and my response to her was because i love to drive right mm. i have chosen to love the experience so the experience giving gives me a loving response in there's an is a hindu guru named um swami narayan and swami narayan was um an 11 year old boy who reached enlightenment and one of his most famous stories is he did a 13,000 kilometer trek all over India to all the holy sites. And at one point he came into a village right at dusk and the village ended up having a problem with a man-eating lion who'd been coming into the village at night. And so at night, the villagers would go into their houses and lock up all the doors and not go outside because the lion would be out there. And the boy showed up in their village right at dusk and the people were saying, come into my house, come into my house. He's like, no, no. And they came out the next morning and he was sitting under a tree and the lion was asleep, asleep about five feet away from him. And they were like, how, how did this happen? How, could, how can this be? And the boy said to them, because I am without fear, he gave me nothing to be fearful for. And so for me, I love driving. So driving gave me a loving experience. Right. You know, when I, when I help people and, and, I, and I help them reach their goals and go to that next level, I get a loving response. One of the things I do in my corporate action hero speeches, when I, I talk to Fortune 500 country, companies all over the world, I mean, I've been, like I said, I've been to 30 countries now. And when I'm talking to those, those people, sometimes I have thousands of people in the audience. And I choose, I go out in the audience and I choose the most timid person I can find. And I bring that person up on that stage in front of those thousands of people. Now, as I bring them onto the stage, I know a couple things. They're terrified. They're, they're totally in fear. They don't want to be in front of that crowd. 
So the first thing I do is I come at them with, with love and affection. And I thank you so much for coming. It's really great of you to come up here and help me. So I put them in the mindset of helping me mm -hmm. as opposed to them doing something. Then I turn to the audience and I say, isn't she a rock star? And I get the audience cheering for her. Her biggest fear is they're not going to accept her. They're not going to love her. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So I've now negated that. Then I say to her, um, do you have any hobbies? So now I've got into a non-confrontational conversation. No fear is being elicited by her talking about her hobbies. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I say, uh, have you ever been fishing? And yes or no, no matter what they say. So today I want to teach you the easiest way to cast a fishing rod. Would that be okay? And I'm nodding, giving positive reinforcement the whole time. She says, yes. So I go over into my bag and I pull out a bull whip. And she, and you know, she sees the whip. Her first response is, oh, right, right. That's a fear response. So, because when you, when you see a whip, people think certain things, they think pain, danger, and some of them think frisky Friday night, but we want, we don't want to go there. Right. 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 We want, <laughs> right. 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 So uh, what we want them thinking is, is, is easy, calm. Right. So I'm saying we're just using it as a fishing rod. So I'm keeping her in the mindset of fishing, just a fishing rod before she can delve any further into the fact that she's got a whip in her hand. I turn to that section of the audience that she's facing. And I say, you guys, everybody over here, take your hands, put them under your chin and make the fish face. <laughs> so I have half the audience doing a fish face, right? Now you're doing the fish face. I say, so your job is to choose which fish you want to catch and just cast your fishing rod. And she does it and the whip cracks. And then I say, oh, do it again. Catch another fish. Crack. I, I haven't talked about cracking whips yet. I'm still talking about fishing. Yeah, because right? I'm keeping her in that calm mindset, that 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 yeah. loving response. Yeah. Once she's cracked it a few times, I say, "So you know how to crack a whip now?" And I, I say that very specifically. And then I turn to her and I say, um, "Did you hear it crack?" And she goes, "Yeah." I say, "So you heard it crack?" Yeah. I say, "So you already know how to make it crack?" Now, for those of you who watch this on video, you'll I'm doing a hand gesture from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. and this is a natural gesture that every one of us does. Somebody gives us a compliment that embarrasses us. We go, oh, stop. Yeah, we like wipe it away. Uh, wipe it away, right? Yeah. In hypnosis, they call that a, a wipe. Oh. Exactly what, they, exactly what they call it. Now, what I did to her was I anchored her belief. So her first belief was I got her to acknowledge, to declare that she could crack a whip. Mm -hmm. Then I did the wiping action. And I followed it with a positive reinforcement head nod. And I said, you already know how to crack a whip. Mm -hmm. So I just took her, her learning curve and I shortened it. I shifted her mind from knowledge of, from learning a skill to knowledge of a skill. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now she's got that. Then I walk over and I pull out a nine inch long pretzel rod, like the ones you crunch on a pretzel. Mm -hmm. And I hold it out there. Now she sees that I'm holding a target, right? New fear. She has a whole new fear. So now I have to go back to my first of my five apps and realize which, where she is in her fear. So I go to her and I say, you already know how to make it crack. And I promise you're not going to hurt me because that's her fear. I, re I know that her fear is hurting me. Mm -hmm. right? I promise you're not going to, sometimes when you're leading somebody through something stressful, you got to lie to them. Mm -hmm. I'm, kidding. Right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you are a stunt man. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you're well, no stranger to pain. The thing is, when you're leading somebody through something stressful like that or leading them through the five Fs or the fears, 
you got to realize it's their experience and not your own. You're a leader, not a dragger. Mm-hmm. You're not dragging them where you want them to be. You're leading them. So you have to go there, meet them where they are and bring them along. Mm-hmm. So I had to meet her where she was. And where she was is fear of hitting me. Once I said to her, I promise you're not going to hurt me. All I want you to do is look right here. And I point exactly where I want her to hit. I said, just catch, you cast your fishing rod. And she goes, kapow. And she breaks the target right in half without hurting me. Done, I've done it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And I've never been hurt. Here's the interesting thing about that is she has just sat there and she has just done all that stuff I just talked about. She does all of it in under five minutes. And she created going from never having cracked a whip to cracking a whip and taking it, a target out of my hand, which is considered an expert level in under five minutes, right? She, you can do anything in your, in your life. And what happens to her from that, from that experience, she yeah. has a life-changing experience. I bet. Because she's, and then the people in the audience who, who know her to be a timid person, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe she did it, right? So it becomes this huge experience. But the, the, the point of the whole thing is, I, I mentioned in there that I did hypnosis or neurolinguistic. None of that stuff works unless the person is capable. And the interesting thing is every person is capable. Mm-hmm. I taught a man in a wheelchair how to crack whips. Wouldn't it be a willingness? Like some people just aren't willing. Some it's people, a choice. It's, yeah. it's a choice. It's always right? the choice. If, it, if they are not willing, it's because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. And so they need to go back and address that fear. It comes down to, it, it's interesting when you look at, you know, uh, Buddha said the secret to enlightenment is the eradication of fear. But when you look in, in Sufism, which is a, a brand of Islam, mm-hmm. Sufism, they look at the world as God on one side of a veil, and we're on the other side of a veil, and life is the struggle against the veil. And when you, when you talk to the, 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 the Sufi scholars, they say that the veil is your fear. <clears throat> Right. So you're literally struggling against your own fears the right. entire life. And once you realize that you're just you can release your fears and, and you have that power, then you get then you get my favorite Buddha quote of all time. When you realize how perfect everything is, you'll tilt your head back and laugh at the sky. Mm-hmm. Because that's how it's so easy. You know, if if I'm the one choosing and I'm the one creating, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> you know, this is awesome. I 100% agree. I, I feel that in my own life, I, I tend to do that instead of trying to control, I just sit back anymore and just watch it. And, you know, of course, taking actions and doing things for my life. But I mean, instead of being like, don't say this, don't do this, don't do, 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 you know, trying to control, it's just sit back. It's, we really don't have to do a lot. Like you said, oh, I forgot the quote. Now you said something like everything's possible or you don't yeah. have nothing is impossible for you. nothing's impossible so but we feel like i feel like a lot of humans feel like we have to white knuckle life and hold on and make sure that everything is in the right place and it's so incredibly stifling and having experienced both sides of that it's so much easier to let go well yeah and all, all that white knuckling and stuff and stifling it's just fear yeah right and oh so yeah back to, for sure take, take a to exhale yeah, let it let it go and start let doing other go. things. You know, you know, we talked we before we got on, we talked a little bit about meditation, and I meditate twice a day. And um, the reason I do that is because I, you know, just like anybody else in the world, I have my conscious things that are going on and my subconscious things that are going on. And I, though I have done a lot of amazing things in my life, there are still subconscious things that pop up occasionally that I mm-hmm. have to address. So 
every morning, every evening, I, I meditate. Now, the interesting thing is, I, most of the people I talk to about meditation don't think they can. Right. And, and the reason they don't think they can is because what happens is, is they, they, they close their eyes and they clear their mind. And then they're sitting there and their mind is clear and they go, uh, oh my God, did I pay the bills? Oh, well, stop, stop. And they, yeah. back, and they close their mind. And, oh, did I leave the stove on? Oh my God. Oh, well, right, right. And after four or five times, they just say, I can't do it. And they, right. they make a choice. Well, Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. But the other thing is, is that the people who become good meditators are the ones who have go through that exact same process, but let the quiet times in the middle last longer. Mm-hmm. And the longer you make those quiet times last, you know, I do 40 minutes in the morning and 40 minutes in the evening. And people are like, well, that's a lot of time to give out of your day. But the, by doing that 40 minutes in the morning and 40 minutes in the evening, my day is so much smoother. Oh, 100%. I, I'm not carrying the junk. There's a, there's a famous old Buddhist monk story. The, the master and the student walk up to a river. And the river is raging. And there's an old woman on the riverbank. And she's like, can you help me across the river? Well, Zen Buddhist monks aren't allowed to touch women. But without a thought, the master grabs the woman, throws him on, her on his shoulder, and carries her across the river, sets her down on the other side. And then the master and the student keep walking. About two miles down the road, the student is just getting angrier and madder. Finally says, master, how dare you? How could you? Everything you did just went everything we, against everything that we teach. You know, you're not supposed to touch a woman. And the master turns to the student and says, I put her down two miles ago. Why are you still carrying her? <laughs> There's that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so why are you still carrying it? That's, that's, that's the question you have to ask yourself. Why are you still carrying it? Yeah. And if you can give yourself some time during the day to, to consciously calm your mind, you can put some of those things down and, and move forward so much easier. I think life. you could appreciate this being, I'm just going to share this with you. I used to meditate also on the treadmill at the mm-hmm. gym. I would close my eyes while I was jogging and hold on to the bar and, and I was re-editing my book recently because I'm going to do a, a second copy. And I read that again. I was like, oh my God, I forgot I used to do it. I used mm-hmm. to do that because I have to so be in presence to close your eyes and be on the treadmill that there's nothing else. And I remember just, you know, leaving the gym with, of course, the the endorphins and whatever from exercising, but also just so much more of a peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meditation changed my life. And I highly encourage everyone. And like you were saying, is that it's it's I don't even look at it as a practice. I don't look at it as a mastery. I just look at it as this is something I do. If I have a hard time one day, that's fine. If I don't, that's fine. If I have some weird, crazy out-of-body experience, that's fine. If I barely struggled through it, that's fine. It's like, just let it be what it is. I think just even the act of getting into meditation is meditating. Right, right. I used to do um, walk, walking meditations where I would go to a, I have a park right behind my house that's got a giant looping boardwalk back through the woods. And I would do, I would do mantra meditations where I would literally, clo- I would not close my eyes, eyes wide open, and just listening to the rhythm of my feet, yeah, chant, chanting the mantra as I went. And I would do that for a couple of miles every day. Yeah. And it was funny because when I got really focused on abundance, after doing that for a couple of months, my, my, my money went up. 
I might, quite literally, just gave my money and it came easily, right? It became very, very focused. One of the words that you said earlier was mastery. And I, I, I think there's a, there's a misconception about what mastery is. Um, people think mastery is, you know, the complete knowledge of a skill set. And the reality of it is, is you can get complete knowledge of a skill set, but you have to realize the skill set is growing. Yeah. And eventually what's going to happen is the skill set itself will surpass you and someone will come up behind you who will get all the same skills that you have, but also move forward. So to truly be a master of an experience, you have to be willing to grow constantly and you have to be also um, able to improvise and adapt and explore new things. So for instance, uh, um, in my speeches, I use nunchucks, you know, the Bruce Lee's yeah, nunchucks, yeah. I, I use them. Every day I practice with my nunchucks for some sort of time, half an hour, hour, sometimes just go out and I play with my nunchucks. Well, why do I do that? I do that because I'm trying new things. I'm improvising new things. I, I don't want to be stagnant. I have a very good friend. His name is Adam Winrich. He is a, a nine-time world record holder, Guinness Book of World Record holder, whip artist. He's the, wow. greatest, he's the greatest whip artist on earth. Wow. No doubt. No doubt. But when you hang out with Adam, he practices whips every day. And he's exploring new things every day. And you, you, he's so... It's his passion. It's what he does. And you go on YouTube and you search Adam, Adam Crack or Adam Winrich, and you'll find just tons and tons of videos of him just putting out how to crack whips. Yeah. It's, his, you know, it's his passion. It's what he does. But the, the idea is he's never stopping learning. You know, with nunchucks, I do stuff with my feet. I do throws around my neck and slides down my arm. And I do all these things that most people don't do with nunchucks mm -hmm. because I've improvised and I've, and I've experimented and I've tried new things. So mastery is, an, is a continual growth. I love that you bring that up because, because in, even with yourself, like you might think you're, someone might go, oh, he's master at the nunchucks. And you're like, no, because then I just learned a new trick last week. You know what I mean? Like, is there really ever that state of mastery? So I think people need to just settle down that just keep going, just yeah. keep going. You don't have to get there. It's just- well, and just keep going means basically means stay very present. You're very present. Yeah. Stay and very open. present. Just make this moment the best it can be and everything yeah. else will take care of itself. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of when I was doing hair, I had, it's a long story, but I'd retired for a couple of years. And when I went back, there's all these new ways of doing whatever to hair, you know, highlighting and this and balayage and, you know, ombres and all these things. I was like, what is this? just a couple years taking off from it, this whole, like you were saying, I was completely relating it to that where I was like, oh, I have to get back in this game again and, right. you know, master now these things. So this, of course, this went very, very quickly and we're at an <laughs> hour. So I wanted to ask you one final question because, well, I, I got two, but the one final one is what are three things that you wish you knew as a child, like, what would you tell your younger self now? I, I wish I knew I was capable when I was a child, because I was told very much that I wasn't. Um, I, I wish I knew that I was the creator of my experience, because that is the biggest driver of my life right now. And I see what would be my third, I guess my, my third would be, is that um, 
I, I wish I knew that all of my goals and achievements were unlimited mm-hmm. because we're often given our limits. My father, like I wanted to become an actor. My father was like, you need to get a job that pays because actors don't get paid, right? So I, had, I, had I known that I was unlimited, then I would have taken different actions my entire life. You know, there's so many things that I, I could sit in victim mode with all the things that happened to me in my past with my father and so on and so forth. But why? You know, he did the best he could with what he knew, and that's why he For was sure. the way he was. So why, why, why even remotely live in that, that thought? You know, I am the creator of my experience. And if I can remember that, then the other two answers really don't matter <laughs> because yeah. I'm the creator of the experience. Yeah. So what is, is there one quick thing that you could say to someone who has somebody in their life that is really like, you know, you're showing up with all your splendor and your authentic awesomeness. And that person's trying to shut you down, trying to put you down, trying to, do you have something? Cause I know there's probably a zillion people that have this going on in their life. Is mm-hmm. there just one quick thing that you could say to someone, remember this when right. that well, person's if- doing that to you? If, if you take what they say about you, you are living their life and not your own. Uh-huh. Your today's choices are tomorrow's outcomes. And nobody can tell you what your tomorrow is going to be except for you. Uh, that's a beautiful way to wrap this up. So you, I was researching and you have a series of books. Well, not, not a series. I, 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 was, uh, I was asked to be- uh, yeah, What is The One Habit? The one habit I was I contributed to one of those books. Um, oh, okay. That that's not my books. That's that's uh, Steve oh. uh, Gambrell's books. Uh, I was asked to be a contributor. Um, I'm actually writing my own book right now. It'll come out hopefully before Christmas because that's when we all want to have our book come out. <laughs> uh, it, keep an eye out for it. It's good. It's, it's going to be called "Be an Action Hero, Not a Reaction Zero. Oh, um, and uh, one of the things I do want to do for your audience today is I want to offer them a free gift today. And that gift is my 5F workbook. Um, and when I say free, uh, my word is good. I am, I am not going to charge you anything. I'm not even going to take your email address. We're just going to give you the link and you can go there and download it. I get nothing from this. This is just you being able to go through the 5F process yourself. And that, that link is corporateactionhero.com slash gift. Um, if you go to my website, you're not going to find it. This is strictly for podcast audiences. Oh, um, how generous so, of you. Yeah, so go there. But, but if you're going to go there anyway, and you're on my site, look around. I put out a daily video on motivation. It's usually two to five minutes long. Just a quick motivational thing every day. That way somebody gets something new. Uh, if you don't want to do it on my website, I'm also on YouTube. I do it there as well. And if you're, if you're looking for me in general, just look up corporateactionhero.com. And on that page, you'll find LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. And all those links are right there. Are you on Instagram? I am not. I, I actually have, have an account, but I do not leverage that account. And it's, everybody keeps telling me to do it. And I just, I haven't gotten into it. That's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny because that was my thing too for the longest time. And recently my daughter is like, you got to do Instagram. So I started doing Instagram and I made a face or I made an Instagram story about you before. Oh. Yeah. Before. And I was like, I looked for you. I typed in all kinds of things. I think, I think he's on IG. I wasn't yeah. either. So I get you, but they can find uh, yeah, you. On- I, I, I think, I, I think I'm under, I think I'm under JD action hero. Oh, JD action hero. Okay. JD action hero. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. I just loved our conversation and we could just chat and chat and chat for hours. So 
can I reserve you maybe in the future for a part two? Oh, sure. Anytime. Just yeah. let me know what, what, what's good for you. Yeah, we could maybe we could, work out another. Um, there's just so many topics that we could dive into. And I know that everybody is just going to get so much valuable insight and wisdom and knowledge and inspiration and motivation from this conversation with you. And plus, so. you have such a wonderful essence. It is like I'm talking to an old friend. I feel like I'm talking to someone I've known forever. <laughs> and I, I had a feeling it was going to be like that. So thank you again for being here. And once again, your website is corporateactionhero.com. And if you're, if you're looking to hear my podcast, I'm Interaction Hero Podcast. Inter and if you're looking inner inner inn oh, inner, inner 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 action inner hero, action hero. Uh, that's my podcast on apple you can also if you if you want my secret woo woo podcast you can you can hop on to spirit cafe um spirit cafe podcast and that's uh me and another friend of mine tamra's owner who is the happiness coach by the way if you're looking for a good guest for your podcast you would love her you would love the happiness her. coach the happiness coach what's her she, name she, tamra zoner Oh, good. Okay. I love that. You know, I'm going to be all about that spirit cafe podcast. I'm going to subscribe oh. to that baby very, very quickly. <laughs> so thank you again right. so much, John, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you. Have a great day.